from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, this is a play about people sitting at home, isolated, in front of their computer screens, reaching out to somebody to say, I need help, I need to feel less alone, I need to feel understood, I need some guidance. And isn't that what a lot of us have been doing for the last year and a half, sitting at home, trying to reach out and connect in ways that are available to us? I'm here with you, and the advice is really sort of horizontal. It's not me saying, I know the way, but it's me saying, I know how to grapple and to look deeply and to try to see the questions that sit beneath the question that you asked me. Sugar is never trying to tell anyone what to do with their life, rather just pointing them in the direction of um, what Sugar's own life experiences has taught her, as well as sort of um, that place within us where if we get really quiet and we listen, we know what to do. I'm Sarah Fenske. Before Cheryl Strayed gained fame and acclaim for her memoir, Wild, she took on an unlikely gig. She wrote an advice column called Dear Sugar. The column was for a website called The Rumpus. Her work was anonymous, and it also came without pay. But it developed a huge following because, well, the advice was good and beautiful and honest and life-affirming. In 2012, that advice column became a book called Tiny Beautiful Things. And in 2016, that book became a play with an adaptation by Nia Vardalos. Now that play is coming to St. Louis for the first time. And joining us today to talk about it is Michelle Hand. She's the actor portraying Sugar in this new Max and Louie production of Tiny Beautiful Things. Michelle, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. And in a real treat, Michelle and I are also joined today by the author Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. So Cheryl, the story of how you started writing an advice column is absolutely remarkable. Take us back. How did you get sucked into writing for no money and no byline at a time when surely you could have really used both? <laughs> well, yes, exactly. But, you know, it's this, it's the usual story, the, the struggle of the artist. I was trying to find find my way and find my audience. And I found early in my career that saying yes as often as possible was a good thing. And especially when I felt something inside of me, that spark, uh, that feeling that I should do it. And so I did what I, I later gave advice to so many people as Sugar saying, trust your gut, trust your gut. So I trusted my gut and I said yes, kind of on a lark to writing this advice column for no pay. And it turned out to be one of the best yeses I've ever given. Hmm. So before you took this on yourself, you had written a fan letter because you were such a fan of the person who was the first Dear Sugar. This is a man. Um, he was Sugar, named Steve Allman. What about Dear Sugar appealed to you? Well, you know, first of all, I really just love Steve Allman's writing. And I did write him that fan letter. I didn't know he was writing the Dear Sugar column. And I didn't, I had read his other books, but I, but I didn't know he was the one, you know, behind this. And I just said, hey, I think you're a brilliant writer. I wish you wrote the column more often. And later when he emailed me and said, 
I am Dear Sugar, and I want you to take over the column. He told me that my letter to him was the only fan letter he'd received as Sugar. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> and I thought he was kidding. We later became dear friends and, and had a podcast together, but I thought he was kidding. And he said, no, nobody was reading it. And so there again, another layer of reasons not to take over the column. It was not only no pay, but but nobody was reading it, apparently, except me. And I just... You know, I admired the quality of his prose and his sensibility. We're kind of kindred spirits in the end. And so I, I just said, you know, yes, and, and onward we went. Hmm. Michelle, I, I'm curious to hear about your thoughts on this Dear Sugar voice, because you're playing Sugar. Mm-hmm. Why? Do, what, what about this voice do you think resonates with so many people? Um, well, I think in part, Sugar is one of those people. There's actually a line in the play. Um, where they, you know, uh, Sugar is getting a little bit of pushback from some of the readers about, hey, you seem to be giving advice that says to do A, but then you tell us to do B. And um, Sugar replies by saying, I know that advice columnists are supposed to be the ones that know, but I am the one that doesn't know, Mm -hmm. but who will work really, really hard to find out what she can. And I think that is what is at the heart of the appeal of Sugar is that Sugar is, is never trying to tell anyone what to do with their life, rather just pointing them in the direction of um, what Sugar's own life experiences has taught her, as well as sort of um, that place within us where if we get really quiet and we listen, we know what to do. We know what the true thing is to do. And Sugar just has this wonderful way of guiding people towards that place, even if they don't necessarily want to go there themselves. <laughs> and, and Cheryl, so much of the advice in Tiny Beautiful Things, you share so openly about really, really hard things that happen to you. And, and I feel like when you're reading this, it's like you want to listen to this voice because this is a voice of somebody who survived this and has come into a better place. Was it hard to open up to that? extent? You know, it wasn't really because the the kind of writing I do and did as Sugar is very much like the kind of writing I do as Cheryl Strayed. Mm-hmm. And I always knew when I began writing the Dear Sugar column that my anonymity was a short-term experiment. I thought it was interesting to to write a column where, you know, nobody came to it with any ideas about who that person was dispensing the advice. And what was so interesting is I was really only anonymous in one way. People didn't know my name. But as you point out, I so often told really personal stories about my life by way of giving advice. I I think Michelle just put it very beautifully. And I want to just say, hello, Michelle. Thank you for being sugar. I'm so excited um, to hear you're doing that in St. Louis. But, you know, I just, I what I always believed in myself is that story is illuminating and story is consoling and comforting and literature allows us to see ourselves in new ways and to see ourselves deeply. And so that's what I drew upon as sugar. I told stories of my own life, not in any way to say, you know, look at me, I've had it harder than you or I'm wiser than you, but I'm here with you. And the advice is really sort of horizontal. It's not me saying, I know the way, but it's me saying I know how to grapple and to look deeply and to try to see the questions that sit beneath the question that you asked me. Cheryl, when you say it, it makes so much sense. And yet, I think prior to this, so few people would have ever thought of an advice column as literature. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this almost a, a radical reconception of this form that we've kind of written off as, oh, you know, dear Abby, she's just going to give us a couple paragraphs to read over breakfast? 
Yeah, I mean, I certainly that was one of the the advantages, honestly, of being uh, on the internet and also unpaid, is I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I decided that I would bring the full force of my humanity. I I would bring everything I knew as a writer to this column. And and I think pretty quickly I signaled that, you know, I, I, I was afraid at first of being so sincere and so really answering people with such a f- open heart, because of course, especially back then, it, we really associated the internet with kind of snark and to really be kind of almost mocking people who would be asking for advice. And I just wanted to be sincere and open-hearted and I can only say I wasn't trying to turn the advice column on its head but but I was trying to to write the column as if it were the most important thing I'd ever written mm-hmm. and now so you you sort of turned it on its head once and now it's been turned on its head all over again as becoming the stage production and I have to say as much as the book is so beautiful the stage production is so beautiful I haven't even seen it performed I was weeping mm-hmm. reading this play Michelle when you first read this script what was your reaction oh my gosh just please cast me in it that was my first reaction <laughs> um yeah, the because I'm also a big fan of the book, Dear Sugar. Um, I found it many years ago kind of on my own. Um, and in the way that the universe works, you know, it comes around as a play into my life. Uh, the way that uh, Nia selected the letters that she did uh, to create sort of a narrative arc, because this can be a difficult structure, right? It's a series of letters. How do you make that dramatically interesting? There's a reason that no one has previously turned an advice column into a Tony Award-winning play. (laughs) It doesn't make sense, but here it does. Exactly. And I think it's a testament to um, the letters that were selected, the breadth and depth of experience that any person that comes to see this play is going to get glanced in some way or another by one of the stories that's being told, even if it isn't, you know, literally taken from your life. Um, there are elements in it. And so it's the selection of the stories. And I think the way that the other characters, the one, two, and three, um, played by three brilliant St. Louis actors who have to be, I think it's at least a dozen other characters apiece. They have to represent all these different voices, all these different letter writers. Um, the way that those voices are brought in to create texture and difference and um, conflict and resolution and humor, uh, it really it really is kind of um, a real journey that you take from the beginning to the end, even though it's the series of episodic letters. So it works beautifully, but it could have easily been a train wreck. Cheryl, when they approached you to say (laughs) they wanted to turn this into a play, did you have some trepidation? You know, I didn't. I I did know that we had a challenge ahead of us because Mm -hmm. what Michelle said is so true uh, that it's hard to just turn a series of letters into a play because there has to be a narrative arc. But when the director, Thomas Kale, he was the first person to reach out to me. And then later uh, he gave the book to Nia and she said, I'm on board. And the two of them said to me, you know, let's just see, let's see what it can become. And so we got together in New York City a few times, sat around a table talking, and Nia kept working and working and and making these really hard choices and Mm -hmm. choosing letters with that narrative arc in mind, trying to 
you know, make a story in some ways, make these letters hang together in a way that would work on stage. And she did a beautiful job adapting it. But it was really born of so many conversations and trial and error. It was wonderful to be part of that creative process. And so you were part of the birthing of this process. What was it like to then finally have to see yourself on stage? I mean, I know there's also a movie of you now. I mean, on some right. level, you're used to this in the way the rest of us aren't. But but this is so intimate. And, and then being out on stage with people all around you watching it. Oh, it's it's excruciating. I mean, <laughs> it's really, all I can say is really it is the most surreal experience of my life, both to have to, to watch the movie Wild and have Reese Witherspoon actually playing me and then to see Tiny Beautiful Things on stage and, and to see different actors standing there saying, I'm Cheryl Strayed and telling mm-hmm. the, the deepest stories of my life. And I laugh, I cry, I squirm in my seat there are some letters that I just sort of want to be over as quickly as possible <laughs> because, you know, it's, it is, it's one thing for me to be alone and writing. That's a, that's a, I'm comfortable enough with that. I know how to write and expose myself and then turn away, but I'm not sitting next to the reader when they're reading what I wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. on, when I'm watching the play, I'm right there in the room and I hear people laughing and crying and it feels really personal. I bet. I mean, yeah, this is your life, and, and here everybody is just devouring it. Michelle, I'm curious about your experience, though, because now you're playing Sugar. Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing as playing Cheryl? Oh, gosh. Um, a little. I mean, obviously, Sugar, again, I keep quoting the play, but it's so well written. Um, there's there's a point where Sugar says, you know, we are all Sugar, so sugar mm-hmm. really is this compilation of, yes, Cheryl's stories sort of provide the backbone, I'd say. But then um, all the other, you know, the colors, the shape, the flesh, all of that, that's informed by the people that are writing the column and reading the column. Our director has done this really wonderful thing where um, each of the writers, when they're not speaking their story um, or reading their letter, are in light reading it either on their phones or their tablets or their computers. So they're a part of the experience of that letter being told and that letter being received. So um, I think for me, it's it's about playing Cheryl, but it's also about playing um, each one of the letter writers, um, playing each one of the people that might be reading it and receiving something from it. Um, I think it's all of those things together. It sounds like this is a far cry from trying to do an impression of Cheryl or yes. an impression right. of Reese Witherspoon, say, the, the Cheryl that all of us think we know. Yeah, I don't think right. anyone wants to see that. Um, <laughs> they you know, they want to see um, what uh, how the particular actors that are up there are embodying these letters in this moment. And I do think this is a really special moment for this play because, you know, this is a play about people sitting at home, isolated, in front of their computer screens, reaching out to somebody to say, I need help. I need to feel less alone. I need to feel understood. I need some guidance. And isn't that what a lot of us have been doing for the last year and a half, sitting at home, trying to reach out and connect in ways that are available to us? So I think our sugar will feel different than other ones in terms of the timing of when it's getting produced. Mm-hmm. This is perfect Absolutely. timing. And I want to say just what Michelle just said. I think it's it's really true that in in some ways she is playing me. In other ways, I think in the most important ways she isn't. And and I'm always mindful of that as well. When I'm writing a deeply personal story about my life, 
I'm doing it always from this consciousness that yes, I'm using my life to, to, to make literature, but what I'm really speaking to is the human experience. So when I write about my grief or my divorce or my joy as a mother or my struggles as a writer, I know that I am not simply speaking for and about myself. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to all of the people out there who've had a similar experience or who, who want to learn about that experience. I'm speaking with a kind of universal collective voice, or at least that's what I aspire to do as a writer. We're talking today to Cheryl Strayed. Um, the new Max and Louie production of her book, Tiny Beautiful Things, opens at the Grandel. It runs from July 29th to August 8th. You can get tickets at MetroTix and also at maxandlouie.com. We also have that linked on our website, stlpr.org. We're also joined today by Michelle Hand, who plays Sugar in this production. And I'd be remiss, Cheryl, if I didn't share a voicemail that we received from one of our listeners. This is what this listener had to tell us about the impact of your book, Wild on her life. Hi, my name is Jonna Gibbs, and this message is for Cheryl Strayed. Um, I read that book, and I had never been hiking before in my whole life. Now hiking is one of my favorite things to do, and you can find me quite frequently at Castlewood State Park. And I just want to thank her because she opened my eyes to a wonderful new hobby. So thank you. Bye. That is a thank you from our listener, Jonna. We also heard from Kimberly, who wrote on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, thank you, thank you, thank you for highlighting tiny, beautiful things and having Cheryl Strayed on the air. Strayed's words have gotten me through so many difficult times that to hear her has given me a bright spot in a not-so-bright summer. And and Cheryl, that kind of brings to wow. mind to me this, bringing it back to this whole pandemic thing. This really feels like the perfect moment for this play and for you to be in people's ears. Oh, well, first of all, I'm just really touched by those words. Jonna, I am so happy to hear that you found the trail through through my book. And just what I mean, what a wonderful both both of those messages just absolutely warm my heart. And I think, you know, I, th I, I hear what you're saying. I do think but what both of you have said about now being a really vital time to hear these words, which essentially boil down to you are not alone, mm -hmm. that life is full of suffering, but it's full of beauty as well, that, that love is at the core of the best things we are, like all of those things that essentially are the essential sort of sugar, <laughs> sugarisms, if you will. I do think uh, we all need a dose of that right now. It's been a hard time. Michelle, is that part of what put this on the radar for the director and, and those of you bringing this to St. Louis? I think absolutely. And also from a practical production standpoint, thinking about a show that could be done with a very small cast, socially distant. Um, mm -hmm. We're each all in sort of our own little spaces. There's really only a couple times in the show where we cross paths, honestly. Um, so I think it was thinking what would work with COVID protocols, but would also be a show um, that was intimate, uh, that spoke to connection, um, that spoke to people's stories uh, that they, you know, sort of stories of, like, just as Cheryl said, um, of struggle and of a desire to um, to feel to feel not so alone. Mm -hmm. Cheryl, I want to also just touch briefly on your pandemic project. You had finished the Dear Sugars podcast when COVID-19 hit. And then last spring, you completed another podcast series with the New York Times. This was called Sugar Calling. And in this case, you sought out people to get advice from them. I'm curious if you ended up learning something that ended up just really changing your worldview or, or shaking the way you thought you knew things. 
you know, it was a really wonderful experience because when the New York Times first approached me, they basically wanted me to bring back the advice podcast. And I said, I don't want to give advice. I, I want to seek it. And I want to seek it from a specific group of people, essentially writers who I've turned to at times when I needed some comfort or or illumination or consolation. And so I called writers over the age of 60 and simply asked them what they were doing during the pandemic, how they were feeling about this moment in in our in our world and it was what what i think that the big thing for me was just this reminder of what i already know which is frankly what i do with sugar very often when i give people advice i'm not telling them the way i'm saying you know the way you just need to trust it mm -hmm. and what so many of these people said who i called people like margaret atwood and joy harjo joy harjo and amy tan and george saunders they they gave me a sense of perspective mm -hmm. and said hard times come, good times will come again, <laughs> hard times will come again after that. That sense of life is long and that we can continue to step through it if we keep putting one foot in front of the other, which obviously I already know. But it's so important, <laughs> I think, to be reminded of those things. And what better group of people to remind us than, than our, our wonderful writers. So, Michelle, in our final minute here, hearing Cheryl describe that advice that she got, it just reminded me all over again of why I loved the script for Tiny Beautiful Things so much. It seems like a lot of the affirmation in that play is is right around the same lines as, as what Cheryl's describing. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's about... Um, through the lens of different experiences of, um, of you know, whether it's grief or um, humor or there's people of all ages. You know, there's there's an eighth grader that asks um, questions. There's um, people who feel ashamed about things that they did. Basically, it's this entire spectrum of people asking, is this experience okay? Is this what it means to be human is there anyone else out there who's like me and sugar has this way in the play of coming back again and again and illuminating someone's humanity saying i'm with you in this i may not be able to take this away from you you may have to walk through this but you're not going to walk through it alone and i know a lot of people that have gotten to the other side of it and i'm sure that you can too hmm. Well, if that's an affirmation that you need in your life, you can read Tiny Beautiful Things. You can also check out the Max and Louie production. Again, that opens at the Grand Dell on July 29th, runs through August 8th. Tickets at MetroTix and MaxandLouie.com. Michelle Hand, who will be playing Sugar, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for creating this opportunity to meet Cheryl, too. Yeah, and Cheryl oh. Strayed, thank you. This has been pretty much amazing. <laughs> oh, it's been so fun to talk to both of you. And Michelle, I'm honored that you're you're playing me slash all of us because we, we all are sugar and I just hey break a leg I wish you the best in your production thanks so much St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio understanding starts here Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.